He's blonde and bitchin'. She's sporty and sassy. Together, they're perfectly imperfect. It's Jesse and Jenna's messy podcast. Cheers! <laughs> All right, welcome to another edition of Cocktails, Comedians, and Quarantine. Joining us today is the fabulous Cassie Cow. Cassie is an award-winning stand-up comedian and actor based in Toronto, and this is something I'm very jealous about. She was recently selected to be part of the inaugural group of New Faces Canada at Montreal's Just for Laughs in 2019. Very jealous. I applied. They didn't write me back. It's okay. Uh, Cassie is now teaching and understudying with the Second City Education Company and performs stand-up across Canada with Yuck Yucks! Whoop whoop! And <laughs> she's been featured on Sirius XM's Top Comic Huge accomplishment, and basically everywhere else you could possibly imagine. Please welcome Cassie Kell! Thank you. Who, me? Thank you. (laughs) Have you ever had an introduction like that before? I mean, it's verbatim what is on my website. (laughs) (laughs) She wrote it herself, Jenna. (laughs) It's like the words came out of my own mouth. (laughs) Well, you're very well-spoken, and here's something I find fascinating about you, is before you were a stand-up comedian, you were an economist? I don't even know what that means. What's an economist? That means you crunch Uh, a lot of numbers, right? And do a lot of things and try to make sense of the world. Yeah, kind of. Um, I I started out, I was an economist for like eight years. I worked in the government. I worked at the Bank of Canada in Ottawa for a while, um, and I was, you know, recommending what the interest rate should be whatever, easy peasy stuff. And, um, uh, and then afterwards, uh, when I came to Toronto, I did my master's and then I worked in as an economist in the education sector for a while. You know, it's like we just had uh, the L. Solomons on the show. Um, I don't know if you know Jess Neiman, but Jess used to be a war crimes lawyer. Yeah. All these comics giving up these super prestigious careers to be a clown. Well, that's exactly <laughs> what I want to ask you is what made you go from such a super serious job to a stand-up comedian, which is also serious, but not super serious? I mean, uh, honestly, I was tired of bombing in my meetings. I thought, I got to get a real audience. These white people don't get it. <laughs> um, but no, like, I actually do think a lot of... Uh, I actually think a lot of people really come from really interesting backgrounds. Um, who end up in stand-up because a i think you have to be really smart to be a stand-up comedian like you can't be dumb like you won't be able to write jokes it's like a really cerebral activity but secondly i also think there's something to be said for the fact that like i would be able to be a stand-up right now if i didn't have a job that paid me a lot of money before like if i was just poor like i don't think i'd be able to do comedy so there's like a little bit of economic bias within stand-up comedians too that the ones that can like afford to dedicate to their craft. Absolutely. I definitely think that's true. I mean, that's like a really big conversation going on online right now. Uh, I don't know if you guys are on Twitter as much as I am, but I live there. And uh, <laughs> there's, um, there's a big thing going on with the New York City alternative comedy scene being taken down and everybody's just exposing how like your favorite, most successful comedians just had a lot of intergenerational wealth and never had to work a day in their lives. And You know, like a lot of discussion on privilege, which is super duper serious, but also like it makes sense. Like if you have a rich dad, like, yeah, of course you can just make dumb sketch videos and get really good at it, you know? 
Well, it's interesting you say that because it's the same thing as an athlete growing up. Like the reason I could excel at, at athletics and get to the top was because I didn't have to get a part-time job as a teenager. You yeah. know, my parents could help me, whereas some of my friends, like they were buying their own toilet paper at the age of 13, you know? So that, yeah. that makes, that's a very good point. Yeah. It's not just comedy either. Like the music industry, you know, Taylor Swift is often criticized for buying yeah. her way to the top. I think it happens a lot more than we realize probably. Right. Yeah. But you know what? I think... Go ahead. Oh, I, no, I was just going to say, I think that's like an aspect of privilege that people don't always think about that's not so obvious it's not just like you have rich friends or, or influential people who literally hand you a job but there's so many hours that you can spend dedicated to figuring out your your craft or making connections or practicing really when other people have to go out and make money and do other stuff you know that's so true. If you can sit at home and not have to work a job to have an income, you can work yeah. at whatever you want. You can be a yeah. Kim Kardashian. You can be, and yeah. that's what privilege is. And that's such a good point, yeah. especially right now with the Black Lives Matter movement and where everyone's yeah. trying to explain to people, not just white privilege, but also Asian privilege as well. Yeah. And brown privilege and all this privilege is that people need to realize that, you know, some people are yeah. awarded easier you know, lives than others are. So they can work on their passions and their crafts. It makes it more, yeah. more, it makes victory better though. If you're a poor person that makes it because you didn't have the money. So right. That too. You know? Yeah, it's true. But I think it is really um, dangerous to talk about like the, the exceptions, right? Like the people who rose up against all odds, like, yeah, those people are really admirable and all that, but you it, like, that's an extenuating circumstance. Like you can't just be like some people to do it so everybody else who doesn't have those opportunities they didn't work as hard or anything like that you know so yeah I've been thinking a lot about that stuff I've been on on the internet just protesting my ass off for the last three weeks it's like all I think about now oh yeah and but while you're on the topic of the internet thank you for following me back on Twitter <laughs> I wasn't sure if you were going to because the first tweet I saw said I never want to see another white person again so I just want to apologize right now as the white gay in the room. <laughs> At least I have the gay part going for me. <laughs> uh, no, you're very welcome. Uh, I don't know if you saw the, the, the video that was attached to that tweet. I did. It was just like abhorrent people oh, yeah. being abhorrent. <laughs> the Karens out there. The Karens are... <laughs> are under the gun right now for good reason. Well, there's the Karens too. And then what are the, what's the male version of a Karen? Is that a Brian? It's just a straight man. Straight man. <laughs> but there's a lot of them too, where I'm like the ones that yell at the clouds and blame everyone yeah. for everything going on except for themselves. I'm like, you know. Yeah. And unfortunately they're the ones that are in our media. <laughs> yeah, there's a, there's a lot going on. Like it's, it's, it's interesting to see how comedians react to all this stuff because by and large comedians are white and privileged. Like, I mean, you're, there's very few comedians that really like grinded their way up, you know, especially like the ones that are just small time comedians now. And uh, it's hard to sometimes find a space where you can say anything during Black Lives Matter because like, you know, the number of black comedians is so small, like there's none. And so most of us are not black and like pretty privileged and rich. And it's really hard to have any space of authority to like really speak about Black Lives Matter. Um, but the one space in which I found a lot of comedians, including myself, are feeling real good about like putting themselves in is just berating white people. <laughs> right. <laughs> 
<laughs> so I feel like most comics eventually find that niche and they're like, okay, my job is to tell off white people. <laughs> One of my favorite things is actually berating my white father about being white. <laughs> and German. Seriously. No, that's my mom. My mom is German. Japanese and German, axis of evil, I know. But, you know, one of my favorite things is telling my dad, like, you don't understand privilege and explaining it to him, like, mm -hmm. you know, and, and also putting into this perspective, like, you know, my boyfriend of six years in college was black. What if I had have black babies and this was yeah. going on and that was your grandchild that you loved and adored, you know, just yeah. kind of putting it into perspective. The thing that I find interesting about you is that you, you're Chinese, right? Yes. Yes. And right now in a lot of areas, especially in Vancouver, there's been a lot of Chinese hate going on. A lot of yes. Asian hate with COVID-19. And I yes. love that you put that on the back burner to still stand for Black Lives Matters. And I would love for you to explain that because a lot of people, a lot of white people use that as a reference and go, why do yes. Black Lives Matter when Asians are getting, you know, uh, their property Are white people saying that? Ah, uh, white people are, ah, uh, white Maybe people. it's a Vancouver anyway, thing, but you know. I why was are just in Vancouver. So I was out taping a set for the CBC at the Vancouver, I guess the Vancouver Just for Laughs, uh, Vancouver, uh, Just for Laughs Northwest or whatever in February. So I was just out there and I always have a miserable time when I tour Vancouver. Everyone always says Vancouver is going to be so nice, but like, let me tell you, there's no amount of good weather that really uh, <laughs> makes up for the people. <laughs> uh, I, I go on tour there like about once a year. And to be fair, the shows are always really nice. The people really are challenging. Uh, it, it really is racist in a way that I've not uh, encountered in Ontario. Not to say that there's no anti-Chinese racism in Ontario, but really the level of it in Vancouver is so apparent. Like, it'll just be on the bus. And it's just... And, like, and, and I'm really aware of, like, other types of privileges that I have. You know, like, I'm young and I'm female and I'm, you know, thin and all of those things. Like, typically people aren't that mean to me, if you know what I mean. Like, typically I'm not treated very poorly. Even if there's racism going on, it's usually a lot more sinister and, like, like you know, you, people will, like, prevent you from getting jobs or whatever. But it's rare that people will yell in my face about it, if you know what I mean. But out in Vancouver, it's really, like, pretty rampant. There's really people who hate Chinese people specifically. And I understand it has to do with, like, their whole housing thing and, like, right. whatever perceptions they have of wealth and things like that out there. But uh, it really shocked me that that was just going on in, like, a major... In such, a, such an Asian population. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Well, like, that's what I'm there thinking. There are so many. You think... Yeah, like, you would think... You would think that going somewhere with more Chinese people would make people more sympathetic or whatever but it's the reverse like they're even more aggressive about it like i stopped being able to take public transit in vancouver i was on tour there for two weeks last year and i had to end up renting a car because it was so like rude out there right. um, maybe you just but, weren't taking public transportation right you don't you don't load on the back of the bus you have to load on the front the front well, <laughs> um but i i will say like i've I've been really sad online about um, how quiet Asian people have been across the board for Black Lives Matter. I think it's 
it's really difficult. Like, first of all, there's a lot of anti-Black racism within the Asian communities, like East Asia, South Asia, everywhere. I'm, it's, you know, me, I don't my know. My grandma I, was Japanese and she did not like Chinese people at all. And no. a lot of Chinese people didn't like Japanese people at all either. Like, no. Uh, and there's a lot of Asian people in North America right now who are like in this conversation, but they're on the side of all lives matter. And it makes me so sad, honestly, like every day that I wake up and I see all the stuff that's going on online, like I obviously will never be the one to deny that there's racism against Asian people, but like, I'm so grateful every day that we're not being shot by the police every day, you know, right. like to even have, to do that comparison in your head and be like, oh, well, we we're, we don't have like an Asian Disney princess. It's like, okay, maybe like let's relax for like a minute and put things into perspective. Like there's no reason to not have solidarity with someone else that's clearly facing really big injustice by like having to put yourself out there. I don't know if you guys saw this, but there was a, an article in the Montreal Journal yesterday that came out that was, um, French Canadians saying that they were the white Negroes of Canada. <gasps> and I was like, can you read the room? <laughs> like, it's not the time to You know, it. they've never been able to read the room that well. Let's be honest. <laughs> you know, like, you know, they've just never been very good at reading the room. And it always, I always find that it does come from like a certain amount of privilege that they're the only ones claiming that they're the one being victimized when the minorities aren't the one always claiming they're victimized. Not everyone is always claiming they're victimized, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. I think it's really difficult. Like I was watching a video yesterday with the chief of police that was saying like, why are you treating us so poorly? Like we also don't like what those In Minneapolis P uh, yeah. PD people did, but like none of us would ever do that. But then you're like, how can you even have a coherent discussion with someone who is, oppressing you and at the same time claiming victimhood against you like <laughs> it's just not possible to have that conversation and the sea of white officers behind him i was like looking yes. something. just let me see one black no I there was one yeah. no not even yeah. a person of color there wasn't even a single woman behind him i know and they were saying that was the idea i even missed it at first what uh when um uh aoc tweeted it out but that's a new york city police department there's no way where in new york are there so many white people outside of friends like that's white not males possible. and men yeah. men i was like why is it only men behind you yeah well you know on the topic of the, the white thing which is interesting you said now it's time to just like berate white people as i was going through your twitter and i was thoroughly entertained it dawned on me that this is white privilege because if i was black reading these comments about a black person i would be very offended but I wasn't yes. offended. And me, I, yes. I knew you were a comedian, but also what you were saying was not wrong. So that sort of made me realize how white people can be sort of face the music now. And that it's only been like, like three weeks of white people being berated. Imagine yes. being a person of color and having to withstand that for your entire life. Yeah, like a lot of people um, tell me that my, uh, a lot of my comedy material is making fun of white boys. And to be <laughs> fair, I love dating white boys. So like, it, you know, you always joke about the things that you love. But, but um, a lot of people like tend to say that it's like really harsh on them. But the thing is that I find, uh, I, like I really made a decision about this in terms of my own comedy is I think it's, 
it's so hard to make people understand what kind of racism you face that they'll just say, no, it's not happening. But the, the way that I like to express facing racism is to say the same things back to white people. And that's the thing is like the things that you read, they're not untrue, right? Like the things about white women and all that stuff, like they're not untrue. It's just that when they're being made into a blanket statement like that, they feel really aggressive. And that's what the experience of being subject to racism is right and a lot of white people uh like I understand that's like an extra level on top of my comedy and a lot of white people like to just get really mad about it but I'm like that's the point that's you're mad about it because you don't understand that it's being done to everyone else right well and it always amazes me that they're so triggered and so quickly to be defensive when I've been called some pretty horrible things as a mixed child growing up in Vancouver in my life and I never acted out on it. I never got yeah. mad. But then one little comment or one little like thing can just set them off so quickly. And it's like, now you get a taste of what we've been dealing with for so long to the point that we've been systematically taught to just not say anything anymore. Yeah, well, that's the thing is because the default is different for you and me. Like we were raised in a world where it's normal that people treat us badly and that's just a thing that you have to deal with to move through the world but if it's being done to somebody who's never been taught that that's just something they're going to have to put up with sometimes then their reaction is so much bigger and you're like fucking relax <laughs> right i got a chance to see you at yuck yucks in ottawa and the one thing i loved about your comedy was that you did talk about race and it made people uncomfortable and i always find the best stand-up comedy is what makes people uncomfortable Mm -hmm. like that's what you're like, because it is literally stating the obvious that's what Thank you. I, is. you're right you did come to my show i didn't find you after the show i was because i left because i always get too drunk and i'm not allowed to stay <laughs> long if i drink too much true she keeps the bar <laughs> I in business appreciate, i did appreciate running into you in the bathroom though that was really nice <laughs> <laughs> yes the worst bathroom in the world the grossest bathroom in the world we ran into each other but yes no um, yeah, but that's what I do love about your standup is you uh, kind Thank of you. point out the obvious and you make it funny. And then I think in turn, you make people a little bit more comfortable with those situations, with those like biracial situations, which as a biracial child, I thank you for that because it's really hard being a mix of two breeds. Thank you. I really appreciate that. I, um, I, I, I don't know if I've ever told anyone this before, but when I started comedy, I was really against doing racial and gendered material. So for the first like year and a half that I did stand up, I only did cute like observational things like very like Mitch Hedberg type stuff. And a, I will say like I was not good at comedy because it was the first year that I was doing it. <laughs> but there was a point where I got where I had a good set, but I wasn't really getting a lot of attention. And I thought there's no reason for me to not be talking about those things because I'm the only one who can be talking about them. Uh, so there's nothing like particularly dirty about those things. The only thing is they're uncomfortable and no one else is talking about them. But that's because no one else is able to talk about them because nobody is who I am. Yeah. Have you gotten hate for that, like from other comedians? Like, are people jealous? And I'll tell you why I'm asking, because I'm similar with the gay thing. And there's way more gay comedians, but in Ottawa, it's a smaller pool than Toronto. Yeah. And so sometimes haters, usually white straight guys, will be like, oh, of course Jesse got that spot. They needed a gay. Who else uh, they going to yeah. put, you know? And so I have that privilege, too, because I can address yeah. gays. But also, I sometimes feel that people use it against me like it's the roadblock. 
Yeah, I definitely think like, um, like when you get something, uh, people like to take that away from you and from your work. Um, I one thing that I I think to myself though is. I'm not confident that they're always wrong, first of all. Like, sometimes I think it's just true that I am getting stuff because someone needed a female comedian or an Asian comedian or non-white comedian. And so uh, what the, if that's true? Good for you. Well, that's that's the thing. I always say, but think of how many opportunities I didn't get for the same reasons because I wasn't white, because I wasn't male. So if those things are coming back to me for the same reasons, at best it squares out and I don't feel bad about it at all. Balance that scale out. You got to yeah. balance it all out yeah <laughs> you went a little new york yourself there balance it all out. Balance it. so cassie you're also a writer as well as a comedian and uh when i was creeping you i found an interesting article you wrote called uh i called instead of texted my dates here's what happened oh <laughs> and we have been talking about this lately i'm a phone caller yes. too Cassie. like i am and you oh. get places quicker so i'm very curious to hear what happened when you called instead of texted your dates Oh my gosh, uh, I wrote that article for Refinery29. They reached out to me um, to, to write it, which was very, very flattering. Um, but let me tell you, I don't like calling. <laughs> I like texting <laughs> and I hate calling. Like I'll call you if like, there's like a problem. <laughs> like I don't wanna call generally. <laughs> um, so for the article, I had to do it. And it was excruciating and terrible because I am uh, dating mostly white, but, but, but straight men, and they are not good on the phone. Uh, <laughs> well, the advantage, I'm just going to jump in because I think the advantage of texting, and maybe this is the comedian in me, is you can craft your response a lot better. You can be way wittier on text than in the moment on the phone. And oh, I know yeah. that straight white guys agree with that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Also, uh, I find with texting, it's just a lot easier to manage. Well, first of all, you can just ask questions pretty bluntly. You don't have to like segue into them or whatever. So you can filter things very quickly. But also like there's a lot of stuff that you can get from text as to like whether or not you would get along with that person. But then when you're on a phone call, there are certain etiquettes that kick in and you can't leave a phone call. Like I have so much trouble getting off the phone once I know I don't like them. <laughs> Yeah, right. I find too that phone calls pervade tone. Like you have a tone yeah. when you, like yeah. I could text like, "Hey, how are you doing?" And it could be like, "Hey, how are you doing?" <laughs> or, "Hey, how are you doing?" You don't know. Yeah, totally. But the phone calls, you're right, Cassie. They're like continuous, live entertainment. Yeah. Whereas a text, you could take five minutes, go to the bathroom, you know, yeah. get a glass of wine, and then think about what you want to say. But on the phone, yeah. you better, you better. Yeah. Go. And then what if they start chewing? Oh. <laughs> Also, oh, I will say when I when I was um, starting to do online dating when I was in my early twenties, uh, I would just like accept dates with anyone, like an idiot. <laughs> and so, I, some people, these guys would text me, and they would seem all normal and all that. And there's one guy I remember. Uh, he, I, I texted him for like two days, and then we met for a date, and he came to pick me up in his car. And then as soon as I like got there, and I was about to get into his car. He said hello, and he had the, the, the like the highest, weirdest voice. <laughs> oh my god! And you can't filter for that on text, and then I have to get into his car, and you're just trapped in there. Oh my god! So you agreed to a date before even phone call? Because even if I knew I was going to meet him, I would insist on at least one phone call. Oh no! I've done really? non 
I've done non-phone call dates many times. Yeah. yeah, no, I wouldn't. Well, not anymore because then you get this. Hi, Kathy. <laughs> oh my God, it was so horrible. But uh, I don't know, like I've uh, I've been online dating for years and I just now think it's mostly a numbers game. Like. 98% of people suck and I'm not going to like them. That's the economist <laughs> so in like, you, isn't it? That's the economist yes. in you. You're like, it's a statistical yeah. thing. Yes, I'm trying to be efficient. So like, I'm not wasting my time talking with you. Like my time, my energy and like my, my goodwill. Listen, people pay money to listen to me talk. Like I'm not giving this out for free. <laughs> so I don't try to fuck around. Like I'll text you just to know if you're a psycho or not, but like, I don't really give more than I need to until I know you're cool. <laughs> right. When she said numbers game, I thought she meant like salary. At this age, <laughs> we have oh, to worry about I mean, things. <laughs> I, yeah, you got to filter for that too. You can't be dating broke idiots. Again, I she's an economist <laughs> too yeah. on the side. Listen, if, I'm, if I'm dating somebody, I better be the broke one, you know? <laughs> <laughs> us too girl us too all right are we ready to get on to the headline i have one more thing oh, you know wait, what a fame where i am um last yeah. fall you were on the social which was so exciting oh, yeah. um yeah, yeah. i want to know if you have any like sleazy backstage stories or what's it like backstage there pretty oh, standard um it's really nice uh the, compared to and i mean like the space is really pretty like they've got really nice couches i'm so used to being in comedy clubs uh, green rooms that are like doubling as a toilet or whatever. So I'm like, oh, there's a couch and snacks. Um, but they were really nice to me. Like they, uh, I didn't really talk to them that much. I had my own dressing room and I brought my publicist. So I just like hung out in my little corner. Um, but just before going on stage, they invited me to do their little like pre-show ritual thing where we all like have hands backstage and like do the little like rah-rah. Okay, wait a second. Really what? Nice. Sorry, wait, what? <laughs> You're yeah, going to just like, like brush over this pre-stage girl, like, a like sisterhood of the traveling pants? Yeah, 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 like a little a little cult situation, but it was nice. It made me feel included. <laughs> so wait, you went back, like, you know how like athletes, they will pray before the game in a starts. circle like this, like, who, who? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what you did. You did a little kind like. Of, there was like a producer and he would like. And now I don't remember exactly what they said anymore, but like he would give us like nice things to say and we would like hold hands and, and yeah, we'll do like a little sports like huddle. Yeah, like huddle. There you go. I would have shouted out the most embarrassing thing ever. I would like, praise <laughs> Jesus. I don't know. I'm not even Catholic, but praise Jesus. <laughs> oh no, I was so stressed out. I made sure I was like, do I have to participate? And they're like, no, you just have to nod. <laughs> And they had their spiel going on. <laughs> and the rest of the interview, all you did was nod. Yep, nod. That's my job. <laughs> uh, but they, but they were really nice. Like we did that little thing, and then we all walked out. And then there was a live audience, which was really great. I actually like, I it just didn't clue into me that there would be a live audience, but there was. And the live audience was all like mostly women, and they were very diverse. I was really impressed with them. And having a live audience really made me so much more comfortable. So then it's really just like stand up. Whereas if it was just me talking to the, the three of them, I would be like, I don't know if you know me, who are you? <laughs> no, it's nice. I'm like, I like to deflect to the audience, even if no one's like agreeing with you to do like a right, right? The camera yeah. doesn't know yeah. you're not, you know? So yeah. I like doing that too. Um, when totally. I have an audience of five on camera. You know? <laughs> I feel like, yeah, and when there is an audience, like, 
I don't know, like as comedians, like, you know, you have a little thing in you that you're like, well, I need them to know that I'm the funniest best yeah. person here. <laughs> like I'm the most charming one. So then you like get into the zone of like putting out jokes and being really quick. <laughs> Cause you're like, this lady likes me. Did you get like your hair and makeup done? Cause I've always wondered if you're a guest appearing on like a Canadian talk show, do you get your hair and makeup done? Oh my God, you get nothing for That's some bullshit. in Canada. That's nothing. some bullshit. I got like a tiny bit of touch up, um, I think like, so I wouldn't be shiny or whatever, but I had to do my own hair. Well, you have beautiful skin anyways, so you don't need much touch up. I am an Asian vampire and that's also part of my privilege. <laughs> right, you're scared of the sun, right? <laughs> I notice as I get older, I become scared of the sun too. You have to, you have to, trust me. I was like, I don't want no wrinkles. I don't have any now, I don't want any, No, you know. Plus, I'm I'm Asian. Like, if I don't do anything dramatic, I'll just look 22 forever. So I never heard this theory or this term, I guess, or whatever you want to call it. Asian, you know how there's like black don't crack. Asian don't raisin. <laughs> I never. I never heard that. I never heard that before, and I was like, that is actually so true. Until you do raisin, and then you yeah. look like 150 years old, and it happens no, overnight. Then, yes, but then you're also cute, which I like. You're and adorable you're like because cute, you're short. Yes, you're like a cute little round Asian woman. Like, I can't wait till that day either. <laughs> I know, I just keep thinking of my great aunt and my grandma, and I'm like, oh, you guys are the cutest little wrinkly old raisin. <laughs> so I, think a- that, I think that Asian Don't Raisin was from, from Ali Wong's first special. I, oh, and I love her. Yeah. I love I, everything I, I'm about not Ms. like Panda. confident to say that she came up with it, but that's definitely where I heard it and most people heard it. She probably heard it growing up in LA in the Korean part of LA is probably where she heard it. Like for it, real. But it is Think very about, funny. <laughs> if Asian Don't Raisin comes from any country in the world, it's probably from the United States of America. <laughs> yeah. Asian may not raise them, but Jenna, nobody said biracial, don't need a facial. (laughs) (laughs) Remember that. Amen. Amen. (laughs) So, Kathy, none of the hosts were bitchy. I've always wondered about that Melissa Grello. She seems like behind the scenes, she might be a real C word. I don't know. Uh, they, uh, first of all, you're not going to trick me into saying bad things about anybody because I'm not famous enough to be shading anyone, even if I did have a problem with them. Um, but, but honestly, they were all really nice to me. I mean, I did have the benefit of having many cameras pointed at us, so I don't think they would have been mean to right. me. Um, but to be honest, I thought, uh, I thought that I would be too intimidated to really participate fully uh in the in the in the panel discussion um but they were all really gracious about like giving me space to contribute and like setting me up for jokes and and putting a lot of focus on me which i thought was very professional of all of them and they were all really excellent hosts and then in the middle in the commercial um in the commercial break they were all like oh my god you're so funny and i was like yeah (laughs) (laughs) why am i here bitch yeah that is such a weird reaction when someone's like, oh my God, you're so funny. And you're like, what am I, I know. What, what do I say? Thank you. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I get paid for this. I know. <laughs> Here's my Venmo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. So let's get your take on some weird news. Cause you know, it's a crazy world uh, amid the virus, amid everything, but strange news still happens. So here's one for you. This is one Jenna could get behind. A woman attacked her ex and pooped on his doorstep when he poured wine into the wrong type of glass. I've got details. You want details? How can I relate? 
How can I relate to that? a white woman? I drink wine out of a juice glass. <laughs> oh, that's true. Like, why, true. why does it matter? It. <laughs> I brought you down from your high uh, Vancouver horse from when I met you. <laughs> okay, so she's 41 years old. You're right, Cassie. She's from London, England. Back on April 15th, she broke quarantine to visit her boyfriend. He's 28, 41 and 28. So good for she showed up his husband. She broke on. quarantine and then shat on his doorstep. She, well, <laughs> I, I, this is all I know. Apparently, he poured wine into tumblers, which Jenna uses. Um, this is a tumbler, right? Right, which a, a glass. Yeah, no. no, no, no. A is tumbler you... is like it's like the thing. I think I'm. Not, we're all not rich enough to really know. But like, <laughs> I think it's the. You know, like how fancy people have like a jug and then they pour that into into glasses no that's a that's like a that's a martini shaker or, no, <laughs> you know, you're talking about like a thing that looks like a vase but yes. it's like a carafe but not a carafe maybe no a, that's oh, called a dip for wine it's a called decanter. a decanter yeah oh anyway okay. no. so she pours honestly her, we're all poor is really the issue she brings her cheap ass <laughs> wine he pours it into tumblers that pissed her off so she slapped him hit his roommate with a belt and then as she was making her getaway, took her shit on his doorstep. She was found guilty, you guys, of criminal damage and assault. What did the roommate have to do with it? I like that this was very sequential and planned out, where she took her belt off first, and then her pants were all ready to go so she could shit on her way out. Like, that actually takes a lot of time management to be able to slap a man, then slap his roommate. With a belt. And then take a poop on the doorstep <laughs> as she's running away and evading cops. <laughs> Truly to poop on command like that is the superpower I want to have. Right. Well, it seems a lot of people have it, right? Over the past year, we've seen the Tim Hortons chick in Canada. What? We, we, <laughs> remember when they wouldn't let her use the bathroom? Right. And you have to buy something and she started whipping it at him like a monkey. <laughs> the only poop I've seen on the go is watching like a marathon where they literally poop their pants as they're running. Oh, that's gross. You haven't no, seen that? I know that sounds horrible, but you're right. Like, I don't know how people are doing it. Like if, if I have to poop, I like cancel all my plans. I like yeah. really sit down and like, you know what I mean? I'm like, you can do it. It's okay. Don't be shy. Like, I don't think I could do it in a high stress environment. <laughs> I met a girl once who said she has to take all her clothes off and get naked to take a poop. <laughs> I know a guy like that. His name's Michael. Yes. What is that? That's weird. dropped his name just to share <laughs> Like all her clothes, underwear and everything. Like I could understand taking everything off except for my panties. Well, but I, I just feel well, why? so like. Why do you need to take your top off to poop? But you would need wait, <laughs> You just said you'd take everything off but your panties. That's the most important thing to take off. Well, that would be I'm like down by my knees. But I feel like I need some fabric. Like I'm not good at, you know, like I'm not good at sleeping naked. But I need panties yeah. on just to have fabric touching your skin. No, like, I feel like if you have to take your pants off because it's, like, a situation and you need the flexibility, like, no judgment, but, like, you do you. But, like, why do you need to take your shirts off? Like, what's happening up top? Yeah. Maybe it's like, I just need to escape. <laughs> I don't know. And never mind pooing on a date. Like, that's another level of impressive. That's yeah? something I would never yeah. do. What? You said, I was like, I would have gone home. Yeah. <laughs> yes. No. You know what another thing I was thinking about as like dating starts to ramp up or whatever is, you know, that like poopery that you can put in yes. the toilet. 
I've been thinking about like getting a like bottle to like, keep in my purse just in case. Yeah. yeah. But wouldn't you make sure you're you're done pooping before your date? But sometimes things happen. Sometimes you can't. You're nervous. Sometimes you can't. Well, I guess it's more of a priority in my world that you make sure that you're done. You know what I'm saying to you? I I have a poopery, and I've noticed it. Like, I don't only use it in my home, but, like, for a while I was bringing it out, and then I realized, well, it doesn't smell like poop, but, like, people know that you poop because now it's not (laughs) a poopery. But not really, like, anything <laughs> totally you're 100 percent right it's like when you spray the cherry air freshener now it smells like shit covered cherries right <laughs> soon your chanel number no. five will come out with a chanel number no. five poopery just so that like <laughs> like no it's just my perfume <laughs> right yes that's true it has to be disguised as another smell so that you can like accurately blame it on something else. right i pee strawberry smell okay yeah. just chill <laughs> Just get one that smells like cigarettes. Yeah, I was half in the dark. (laughs) (laughs) All right, well, speaking of smelling things, here's another headline, Cassie. Oh, gosh. Dogs can sniff out coronavirus. They can detect it in people's armpits. A new study out of France found uh, that uh, trained detection dogs can find coronavirus 83% accuracy uh, in the armpits of people that have it. That's funny because isn't that more accurate than the actual coronavirus test that was like 30% not accurate? Dogs are magic. Also, when did we say that coronavirus was in your armpits? But probably because you secrete, right? Like that's where your sweat sweat? glands are. Yeah. It's any bodily fluid. Still, just like loves it. Like, what's his what's his reaction? That's different. Once he knows you have Corona, he's still just like all up in it. Right. <laughs> yeah. Now you're a big cat person, oh, and yeah. I realize that cats have been social distancing for like ever since cats were domesticated. <laughs> um. Yeah. My cat uh, hated it the first month and a half that I was on lockdown because I was just in her space. I kept taking all of her chairs. Um, but now she's acclimated to it. Now she's like pretty chill about it. So, I mean, I think it's that or I won't feed her. So who knows? <laughs> <laughs> Cassie, since you said you're Chinese, do you have any relatives or do you know anybody still in China? Yeah, most of my family still in China. My parents actually are in Ottawa, which is why I play the Ottawa club um, as often as I can. Um, but other than my parents, the rest of my family is back in China. Are they in Hong Kong or... No, we're from Shanghai for me. Oh, okay. Well, the reason I'm asking is because you've probably heard the divorce rate is like through the roof since the pandemic. Oh, first. yeah. <laughs> so now in China, they've implemented a new law that if you file for divorce, you have to wait 30 days before they'll process it. They're calling it a cooling off period to make oh, sure really? that you are serious about getting divorced because they can't keep up. Do you know anybody that's got that's broken up over there? No, I don't have like friends over there because I oh. left China when I was like four years old. I also um, didn't know, like, divorce existed in Chinese culture, to be honest. Well, it didn't before this. (laughs) uh, I mean, I think that, like, there is, obviously, but I was under the impression that it was still, like, pretty rough to get divorced. Like, like, socially, people are not nice to you if you get divorced. But also, like, I think it's so cute that they think 30 days and you'll change your mind about it. Like, I could be mad at someone for 30 days easy. Like, no problem. But also at the same time, I can love someone in 30 days. Do you know what I mean? Like 30 days, we think of it as a short period of time. But think about 30 days. Like that's actually a long period of time. You can love and hate someone. 
You think, yeah, maybe it'll be just like my cat. Like, at first they hate it, but then they'll acclimate throughout the month. Right. You just learn to, like, you know, deal with it. Yeah. Here, Jenna, read this one. This is a business idea. Oh, there's a place called Sex Island out of Las Vegas. It's throwing a post-coronavirus sex orgy with Oh, God. (laughs) <laughs> in two weeks, men can pay $4,500 for, quote, weed, unlimited alcohol, and sex with two girls per day. 50 tickets are available. What? How are the girls there? Are they paid? So the girls, like, so you can... The girls offer... come with the island? <laughs> yeah, well, they're, it's in Vegas, so you know there's working girls all over. They're probably eager for this opportunity. Right, so men can pay 4500 get two girls, weed, and unlimited alcohol. That seems a bit expensive. But why isn't it unlimited weed? Just the <laughs> pothead in me asking. Yeah, they don't say how much weed you get. <laughs> Yeah, that's a lot of money. It is. Prostitutes in Vegas go for more than around here, though. I mean, in Ottawa, it's $100 for an hour. <laughs> I've heard. <laughs> I've heard. <laughs> <laughs> I have friends. But what I'm disappointed in in this story is that like, it's Las Vegas. But it's also Las Vegas. Las Vegas is creative. It's filled with a lot of people doing different things. The best name you can come up with is Sex Island. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, it's very to the point. It's sex on an island. It's, it's very direct marketing. <laughs> but like, what about like Boinking Bay? <laughs> but I don't understand. This whole island is just marketed towards gross, lonely men. Like, what if you're like, you know, a liberated woman and you want to go? There's no. You like, might as well call this for you. Let's be honest, Cassie. We might as well call it Epstein Island again. Right. Like yeah. this sounds so gross and not right in any sort of way. You just no, no. It's expensive because the guys that are going to go, you've got to pay that much to touch them. You're not just paying to touch; Ew. you're paying for your secrecy as well. <laughs> yeah, uh, everybody's got to sign NDAs. The second wave is going to come because of Sex Island. <laughs> right, exactly. Or the gays. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? We lived through the virus in the 80s. We ain't going nowhere. Yeah. Y'all basically didn't even make it through like two weeks of shutdown before all of you were going, we're breaking it secretly. Let me come on your window. <laughs> yeah, I started dating in quarantine. <laughs> Thank wow. you. I, oh, I was already dating someone before we went into quarantine, but like, I think I would be too scared to date in quarantine. There's no way. You know what, though? And I always think of you because, like, you've always been vocal about being single, too. And we share very similar ideas on being single and online dating, especially. Uh And I was like, you know, Dr. Bonnie Henry out in BC put it really, like, really well. She goes, you can still date. Just date. Kiss one person at a time. (laughs) Give it a shot. She's like, if it doesn't work then you can give it two weeks and then go kiss another person. She's like, you just can't be kissing like 10 people at one time. I know, but I wouldn't trust the other person to be doing that. Like, I would be responsible, but I would be like, I don't know if you're willing to break quarantine for me, you're breaking quarantine for a lot of people. Like, there's no way. I would have so much paranoia. Are we going to bring back the old school, like, dental dams? (laughs) (laughs) Like, saran wrap in the mouth? Yeah, just everybody's in little <laughs> bubbles. <laughs> well, that's what, do you remember the Sunday Night Sex Show with Sue Johansson? She used to say, if you want to do, well, I was going to use the oral. Prompt, eat a girl out. What's the name for that? That's eat a girl out. 
you should use a dental dam. <laughs> I know. Crazy. I wouldn't, I've never tried it. After this podcast, all of a sudden saran wrap uh, sales are going to go out the roof. Screw the new, screw toilet paper. Yeah. Saran wrap's the new toilet all, paper. All of my friends who are single are saying that they had to get off Tinder because everyone's just asking them to break quarantine. It's true. That was just like happening out there. I can't believe it. Well, are you guys, are you guys lifting quarantine as well? So we just started, like, you guys are way behind. First of all, Ontario should have been, like, open a long time ago, but you guys in Toronto are just fucking shit up. <laughs> Seriously, 92% of the cases were in Toronto. So, like, yeah, yeah, right yeah, before yeah. I came, I moved back from Vancouver, what, like, three, two, two and a half weeks ago? And everything was lifting in Vancouver. I got my hair done. I got my toes Oh, yeah, done. yeah. It's the thing that we need to realize is the media needs to stop calling it getting back to normal. It, it's this is our new normal. Yeah. Lineups, masks, all those things are going to be our yeah. new normal. Yeah. You yeah. were just in Vancouver. Yeah, I heard Vancouver uh, started film production this week, which mm -hmm. is what I'm waiting on. You know what? And I said that as two act actors. I said, and I was talking to <laughs> my parents' neighbor who's worked in the film industry forever in Vancouver, and he was, I was like, this might actually benefit the Canadian film industry yeah. because if yeah. America doesn't get their shit together, no one's going to want to film here. So they're yeah. going to have to film in Canada and they're going to have to hire Canadians, even though by yeah. law they have to hire okay. some percentage anyways. But now I think even more so. So this might be great, especially for Ottawa, which is on the up and coming. We were building a new yeah. soundstage here. Oh, they film all the lights. Oh, amazing. Here now. The Christmas. Christmas. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. I've auditioned for a lot of them. I, they're so funny. <laughs> um, apparently, Ottawa is like the best place to film like uh, low budget horror movies. Apparently, a bunch of horror movies. Jesse was in one. We'll send you the link later. <laughs> what was it called? Hey. Dead of Winter. YouTube Dead of Winter. Fans, YouTube <laughs> okay. Dead of Winter. It's the funniest thing I've ever watched in my life. <laughs> Yeah, Jenna enjoyed that. She was just like watching me die over and over. And over. Also, if you thought Donald Trump was orange, <laughs> no, 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 no. I was very orange. Um, okay, so last one. Here we go. A guy in England, again in England, was so happy McDonald's had reopened, which, by the way, they never closed here. Right. That was like the one place that oh. never England's closed. really messed up, though, when it comes to COVID. They're getting like yeah. still like 4,000 new cases a day. <laughs> yeah. Well, he was busted uh, driving 136 miles an hour, not kilometers, miles an hour to get to McDonald's. He was so excited for a Big Mac. Obviously, he was arrested uh, for speeding. Is there anything that you really miss in quarantine, like food? Oh, definitely food? not a Big Mac. No, not a Big Mac, I think. But I, I really, I think it's just so sad for him that he was trying so hard to get that Big Mac, and I'm guessing he still wasn't allowed to go, or did he just ticket him and he could still get his Big Mac? I don't know, but it, I mean, if you're going that fast for a Big Mac, they probably did him a favor. <laughs> <laughs> he needed to skip that one, I think. <laughs> but for real, like, I really miss, because like a lot of Asian casual dining is like mm. getting together and eating for hours. One yeah. thing I miss more than anything is dim sum, meeting my friends yeah. and sitting there eating for two and a half hours. Yeah, that's fair. I, I just miss, well, I miss stand-up, but I miss after stand-up, you get to go out and get, like, breakfast at 2.30 in the morning with, like, a bunch of comics you just met. Like, I miss that a lot. Right. But um, otherwise, I think everything that I like is open in Toronto, and I still, I've been cooking at home a lot more, but I do try to buy from my favorite restaurants just to, like, 
supports it. How about you plug some of your favorite restaurants right now in Toronto? Oh my gosh, I love Rolson in Chinatown. They don't need my advertisement. They're doing great, even in quarantine. <laughs> um, I love Banjara. The, that's um, the one that's close to Comedy Bar. I love all of the shawarma places. My local shawarma place down the street flipped during the quarantine. Like they must have run out of money and sold it. So I'm really right. sad they closed down. Uh, Did Prohibition yeah. close uh, as a result of the quarantine? I can't remember if it was Prohibition. There was some oh. gastro club that I used to love to go to in Toronto. That's, That's out of- in the East End. I've been there, but I don't know right now because I, mm. I live uh, like Midtown, so it's so far from me. Have um, you learned to cook anything? Because you know how everyone's like, every basic bitch is like, oh, I made banana yeah. bread. Oh, I made sourdough. <laughs> Have you made any of that shit? Uh, I was an okay cook already, so I just cook what I cook. Uh, I've definitely not tried to make banana bread. I was like, listen, if I had time to figure out how to make bread, I, I'd rather be out protesting. So. Right, so you're like no. me. You're like me. You don't bake. You cook. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Also, like, I, I do know how to bake, but uh, actually, I guess that's not true. When we first went into quarantine, I did make cupcakes once, but then I was like, okay, well, now I'm fucked because I'm stuck with, like, 24 cupcakes, and I'm not allowed to see anyone and give them to anybody, so I just got to fucking eat all of these. So it's not a sustainable activity. So you're, like, sitting there, you're like, I'm about to crunch into my last stale 24-day cupcake. Yes. Oh, uh, <laughs> let me tell you, I ate all of them. I'm a trooper. But then I was like, maybe let's not repeat this exercise. Right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, what else do you have to have, – we haven't mentioned your billboard. Oh, my God, yeah. I can't believe we even forgot that. Oh, right. <laughs> so I was on Twitter, and this chick that I don't even know somehow popped up on my Twitter and – retweeted a picture and you're on a billboard at Eaton Center in Toronto. Yeah. <laughs> Tell us about it's, it. Uh, oh my, it's, it's actually like, I haven't been talking about it that much. Cause Not at I, all. No, I know. But the thing is, which like, I don't know, I guess it doesn't really matter, but like, I'm not really, the thing that they're promoting is a podcast, uh, from rice comedy, which features, um, Asian, mostly East Asian comedians from Toronto. And I've done a lot of shows with Rice. I did their big New Year, uh, New Year's Eve, like Chinese Lunar New Year show. And a lot of, I've headlined their smaller shows and stuff. I work really closely with that producer. But the thing that the billboard is advertising is their podcast. And I'm not on the podcast. <laughs> I actually just like, I just have worked with them a lot. And like, to be fair, I'm one of the more recognizable Asian comedians in Toronto. So they just put, my face on there without well, they ask you? Do they no. ask? I mean, I'm, I'm sure you probably are, don't care. Like, any publicity is good, no. but I mean, you yeah. know, you'd be nice if they were yeah. like, hey, can we put you in an eight-foot poster? Eight-foot? Yeah. That thing's like 20 feet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, like, to be honest, uh, first of all, I know for a fact nobody's actually going and checking that podcast. Like, sorry, but that's probably not what people are doing. So, like, nobody's oh, really checking this maybe- one. <laughs> yeah, so they're just like, you know, impressed that I'm on the poster and I'm really happy for them. But like, I, I don't talk about it too much because I don't, I also don't want to say that it was a mistake. Like, that's not really good for anybody. Uh, and, and I mostly feel bad that there were obviously a lot of other really talented Asian comedians featured on that podcast. I could have probably. Oh, you're just way. being PC and you're being no. nice. You look I fabulous on that poster. And also, like, I don't know about you, but like if I when I told my grandmother I was my Japanese grandmother that I was going into radio, she goes, You can't make money from talking. 
Like she was just so against it. So what were your parents' yeah. reactions when you were like, oh, hey. my parents loved it. Did oh, they? Oh my God, my dad loved it. I, I was planning on not telling them again, because I was like, I don't want to explain it to them. But then I was like, don't worry, they're not going to ask. Right? <laughs> so, they were, so I just sent it to my dad. He's so excited about it. Same with um, about a year or so ago, I did a show. That was not a big deal show, but it was in the National Arts Center in Ottawa. And oh my God, my dad thought I was the most famous person on earth. Like he like couldn't believe I was at the NAC. But like for me, it was just like, I knew that producer, like it wasn't that big of a deal. But but yeah, that was really nice. And they were like psyched and he brought like my mom and my grandma and they all like sat in the front. They just loved it. (laughs) It looks amazing. Honestly, the billboard looks, um, even Jesse was like, is that real? I thought yeah. like yeah, it was real. one of those apps, like, you know, how you it's can true, get to make yeah. it. Yeah. I thought so, too, because the producer of the podcast sent it to me, and I thought that it was, like, a Photoshop, like, prototype picture, and I was like, cool, when is this going to, that's so much money, probably, and he's like, this is live. <laughs> <laughs> but you make a good point. I think it's a, an entertainment in general, or maybe it's a state of our social media world, that perception is what people believe so like if you're on a cool poster no one's gonna listen to the interview podcast but hey i know cassie she's on a poster and, and that's yeah. all you need in this business chris I, I, it's like sad but it's like really true uh, it's like that episode of friends when um joey was the poster boy for herpes oh yeah and he was all <laughs> over the subways and stuff yeah. and he was all yeah. excited he got this big gig and then people were like no you're the herpes guy yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Although, I mean, I don't feel too bad about it. Obviously, I've worked really heavily with Rice. Like, I've been working out with their shows since they started. I'm just not on the actual product that Spotify is, is um, advertising, which is, like, too bad. But, but still, people, like, um, affiliate me with the show a lot, and I'm, I'm happy that they're doing well, and I'm happy to be part of it as well. Maybe it's also, like, a hint, hint, nudge, nudge, start your own podcast, girl. Uh, I would love to. I just don't know if people would into it like I would we know thought the same thing it. we thought the same thing but sometimes you just need to dive into shit like that yeah we've been doing this two years and we still don't know so you know it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I mean I really thought about looking into it if the quarantine keeps going everyone's saying basically that stand-up's not going to come back this year which to be fair I think is probably accurate like even if we're allowed to gather I can't imagine people are like yes excited to sit in the comedy bar basement for an hour right. so I think I think a lot of us are going to have to figure out like alternative sources of revenue for a while until stand up can really come back. Well, if you do launch one, let us know. Yeah, I we will, will support <laughs> you. Yeah. Cassie Cow, how do we find you on social media? I'm at the Cassie Cow on everything. On Twitter, mostly is where I live, but I'm also on Instagram where you can see lots of pictures of my cat if you want that. And I'm on Facebook too, but don't go there because that's all racist. <laughs> well, and yeah if you're gonna be a white person checking her twitter you'd be warned but she's okay she followed me back so she can't hate us out no i love white people <laughs> she only fucks you... white men come on get with it <laughs> no 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 i love white people white women are the majority of my audience without white people i would have no career <laughs> is this is this your version of saying i have i have white friends <laughs> i mean i do a couple some of them are okay yeah. Yeah. I have white friends. I'm not racist. I have white friends. I'm not racist. (laughs) (laughs) Cassie Cow, thank you so much for doing this. Keep fighting the good fights. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. Oh, I got it. Cheers.